Okay, so I have Eric Thompson today as a guest. And Eric, you're involved with magic. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what you do and how you got into it? Sure. It's great to be here. Thank you very much for having me. I started doing magic around 1980 um, and working in comedy clubs because I I also do stand-up comedy. And the two of them just kind of went very well together. Um, the, the magic that I do is typical stage magic. It's not the big illusion with the beautiful assistant and all the animals and the birds and the doves and the, the rabbits. And so none more of the none card of tricks and that type of thing? A couple of card tricks, some ropes, some scarves. Uh, a, lo- a lot of magic. A lot of the magic that I do is very silly. Um, it's yeah. fun. It's, it's, it's more the fun. I'm not the big uh, mysterious, creepy satanic <laughs> yeah you know yeah no it's all it's all good it's all it's all for the laugh it's not for the amazement as much as the laugh although yeah, i'm often told we laughed real hard during your show and then in the car on the way home i went wait a minute how did he do that so <laughs> it's like so delayed reaction that. and that is my that is my favorite reaction to what i do yeah so did did you start doing magic as a child or what, what made you fascinated with magic in general? Yeah, Maria, every, every little boy when he's 10 or 11 years old and, and a lot of little girls too, but every little boy wants to be a magician. Some of us just didn't grow out of it. Um, <laughs> and uh, what, what I find is that most little boys want to be, want to be a magician. They get a magic kit for Christmas or their birthday when they're 10 or 12 and, they do that for a couple of years and they pester their parents until they find a guitar or a motorcycle or something like that. And they think that will get them girls. And then yeah. they, they abandon magic. And, and uh, I don't know, I've been married 32 and a half years. And, so it worked and, for you. Uh, yeah, so it worked <laughs> for me. So is that your secret to romance then? Learn some yeah, card magic. tricks and there you keep, go. Keep the, keep the magic alive <laughs> is not just an expression at my house. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so whatever works, right? So how did you figure out that comedy played well with it? Did it just kind of happen? I know I, I'm very sarcastic, just my personality in general. So lots of things end up being kind of comedy. I've, I, you know, I've done speaking engagements for business purposes and a lot of that ends up being very comedic just because that is just sure. who I as a person. So is that kind of how you fell into doing it along with comedy or was that a plan? My personality was, was one of, uh, you know, be jovial, be joking around a lot. Yeah. Um, So yeah, that, that was a natural stand. Plus I I prefer watching entertainment. That's funny. Yeah, of course. If, um, I think when you're delivering a message, be it a sermon or a motivational speak or speech or, or any a teaching moment, I think if, if it's delivered with humor, it, it resonates and it sticks. For example, if you go to church Sunday morning or if you come home from school that day and someone told you a joke, you could repeat that joke nearly verbatim. Yeah. But if someone just drones on about you know, chemical bonding agents or, or some Bible verse, you you may not remember it at all. The joke though, you remember, people remember humor. They remember, they can, you can associate the last, it's like song lyrics. You Mm -hmm. can remember the lyrics to a song, but you can't remember your anniversary. (laughs) So, (laughs) but, but if you set it to music or you set it to laughter, it triggers something in the memory. 
So you've been doing magic since what year was it? Well, it's been almost 40 years. 40 years. Yeah. That's a long time to be doing magic. It, so it, it is. I'm tired. Oh, you're, you're very tired. Yeah. I, I would say said it's a long time. That's a long time. That's a long time. So you you started doing it 40 years ago, and I know off air we talked a little bit about the fact that you've been able to travel um, quite a bit to do your magic tricks. And um, can you kind of share with us a little bit about you know, kind of how that developed? Listen to how cool this is. A few years ago, my wife and I were on a cruise, and we went on this onshore excursion. We're waiting in line. If you've ever been on a cruise, you know, you, you wait in line a lot. And yeah. we're, waiting, we're waiting for this bus to take us to some, I don't know, horseback riding thing or some Jeep tour or something, scuba diving, whatever it was. And we're waiting there and all these children, this is in the Caribbean, and all these kids come up. And they're all 11 or 12-year-old, mostly boys. They come up and they're asking the tourists for money. They're begging for change. And everybody's giving them a dollar or 50 cents or, you know, whatever. I reached into my pocket and I took out coins. And like I do all the time, I started messing with these coins, doing magic tricks, did a little sleight of hand things. And, and well, you know, I opened my hand to give this kid a quarter and nothing falls out of my hand. And it, so the coin just disappeared. Well, this kid was blown away. And in Spanish, which I don't speak Spanish, he doesn't speak English, but he says to me, do it again, do it again, yeah. do it again. I can, and I, can, I know that's what he's saying. So I do the trick again. And he, he shoves his buddy and they're laughing and, and they keep doing this. And then they call their other buddies over. Now, now I've got a crowd of like seven boys crowded around my part of the line and other tourists are watching and I'm doing all these magic tricks with these coins. And these boys, it occurred to me, these boys, they're very poor. Yeah. They're probably hungry and oppressed and they live in, in, a, in a, a ghetto or a, a barrio that's, that's probably not very nice. And, and by gosh, I was able to make them forget about their poverty and their hunger and their oppression for just a few minutes and, and replace that with joy and with laughter. That's awesome. So we got on that bus and, and we left those kids behind. We, of course, we gave them all the, all the change, all the money, and, and we made an impression. Those, those kids will never forget that moment. And we were talking about that and some other tourists were saying, man, that was really something, how you controlled all those kids. And, and I said to my wife, I said, you know, next year, our vacation, I don't think we should go on a cruise. I, I want to come back to another place like this and, and really do a lot more. And so I did. I started going to some of the most, some of the poorest, most remote places in the world where I could hook up with maybe a Christian missionary or some nonprofit NGO or, or, or a children's hospital or an orphanage or, or whatever it is. And, and I started doing shows and I have those people set up the shows. Then I show up, I pay for the airfare, I pay for my travel expenses, whatever it is. I get there. The only thing I ask is, they find me a place to live. So I've lived with, it's very cool. I've lived with families in the mountains of Guatemala. I've slept on a dirt floor of a church or on a hammock in an orphanage or in a children's hospital residential wing or anywhere. And, That's awesome. And it's been an amazing experience. Now, the other thing I did and what I learned when I was there is I, I get to, most of these people have never met an American. There's a really good chance no American has ever been to this village. 
or this little town, wherever it is, up because it's so remote. So when I go, there's really not a whole lot to do as far as tourism. So I'll, I'll, I ended up at uh, one of their local markets. And what I learned was I could buy chickens, live mating pairs of chickens for about $14. So I took all the money I had in my pocket for souvenirs and I bought all the chickens I could buy and got some folks, some locals to help me. And we carried them back to the village. And that night I did a show in the middle of their village. Every single person in the village came out and I had the, the village chief or mayor uh, kind of help me out with this. And we, he divided it up. He had a list, a census of all the families. Every family got a mating pair of chickens. So it was kind of like dinner and a show. Yeah. And what they did, as long as Uncle Charlie doesn't eat the first two birds, what happens is those chickens will mate and multiply and multiply and multiply. And within a year, they have more chickens than they know what to do with. Every single morning, they go out and get eggs. So their kids are now getting where they used to be hungry all the time. Now they have protein. They have nourishment. They're getting calories. And they have eggs and, and chicken meat. So... They can eat. Plus, they have birds that they can sell at the market. They have eggs they can sell at the market to make extra money. And they're hiring their friends and neighbors to help tend the birds. So what we're doing is really creating entrepreneurs and saving people from, I would guess, death, starvation. Yeah. It's a great solution. The problem is we do it like one guy at a time. So it yeah. takes a long time to save the world, but it makes an awful lot of difference to that one family. Well, and I think that's the thing. I think a lot of people want to help. Um, I know you, you hear all kinds of horrible things in the news and, um, you know, hateful things. And I'm not saying that there aren't hateful people out there, but my experience is that there's so many more good people out there than, you know, bad people. And everybody wants to do good of some kind, but a lot of people don't know where to start. And, you know, small things can make big differences and maybe they're not able to go and travel and, you know, do um, magic shows or be able to make an impact on their own like that. But, you know, how would they be able to, I use, you were mentioning $14. Um, I'm assuming possibly that you maybe take donations um, in kind to be able to allow you to be able to go and purchase chickens or place that somebody could find that information. Well, if, if I can deviate a little bit and then get back to that, yeah. I, do, I do shows in theaters and comedy clubs across the United States throughout the year. When I okay. do my shows, we've, we've shot videos. I have a comedy special that's, that was directed uh, to video. It's available on DVD as well as on a digital card, an SD card. So I sell those videos at my shows. Every penny of that goes toward chickens. I don't use it to buy airline tickets or food or there's no administrative cost at all. So when I do these shows in, in comedy clubs and theaters and private events, corporate events, I, I get this, the, the, uh, the donations and people in exchange for these videos. You can also buy them at my website at ericthompsonmagic.com. So all of that money collected throughout the year is used to buy food and usually chickens 
once in a while there'll be a thing that comes up. There was a, it's, it's, it's a shame that there's so much strife in the world. It really is. It, yeah. it, it, at the same time, it's unbelievable. It's overwhelming how much strife there is. There's, there's so many countries that are in the midst of a civil war, and it seems as though children always get caught in the middle of that. So once in a while, we have to buy food directly, and we'll do that with UNICEF or some sort of organization like that. Um, but usually it's, it's the chickens and it gets a little more complicated, but, but on the surface it's chickens. I buy a lot of chickens. I've probably bought, I don't know, ten fifteen thousand $15,000 worth of chickens over the last couple of years. And at 14 bucks a pair, that's a lot of birds. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, A lot of birds. Yeah. And you sit and think about how they populate. I mean, you've, you've, you've single-handedly, um, increased chicken populations everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, listen, don't forget they're eating these birds too. So. This is true. Yeah, this is true. But seriously though, I mean, for $14, you're providing entrepreneurship to Absolutely. these families. And I mean, that's huge in, you know, in the U S where, you know, where we live, um, that doesn't seem like such a big deal. I mean, it's, it's not so hard for somebody that wants to start a business to start a business. You know, they decide they want to start a business. They pay the, you know, 9925 whatever it is per state is a little bit sure. different, you know, to be able to incorporate themselves as a business. And then, you know, they, they start their business. But in a lot of these other countries, it's, it's not like that. Um, and, you know, it puts it into perspective that, you know, if somebody handed me fourteen dollars, I'd be like, "Wow, thanks, fourteen bucks." But is that going to change my life? Absolutely not. But fourteen dollars can literally change their life. That's actually awe inspiring. I know. Um, I, I skimmed your website some, um, and I seen that you you do a lot of corporate events and such. Uh, what areas do you typically? You know, travel to? Do you just stay in your general area, or how do no. you? No, I'm on the road. I'm on the road quite a bit. Um, I I have uh, I live in Northeast Ohio, so I'm in Buffalo, New York, to Detroit, to Indianapolis, to Columbus, Ohio, kind of that Pittsburgh, that general area, Cleveland, uh, Youngstown, kind of that that swath takes the, the bulk of my time. However, yeah, um, yeah I, I go into uh, West Virginia, Kentucky. Florida, uh, you know, I'm working on a thing right this morning. I was talking to somebody about doing some shows in Oklahoma, near Oklahoma City. So, yeah, wherever. I mean. Okay. Well, it's, just, know, it's good to know. That way, you know, if, if somebody's like, wow, you know, I'm needing something for a corporate event coming up this year. And I would love to be able to, because that's one thing. A lot of corporations plan these things yearly. They have to, you know, come up with an event to do or, sure. you know, what. And then it. Awesome to be able to not only provide the entertainment for your event, but also to know that it is it's going to improve the lives of so many people. So, you know, I would I would think that there would be a lot of people that would be very interested in that. And you know, we do a lot of shows in homeless missions and orphanages, or or they're not always orphanages anymore. They're they're group homes more often yeah. than not in the United States. So I do those too. I when I'm in Florida. Uh, they have a lot of group homes. They're real small group homes, and there's pockets of them everywhere. So when I go, if I have shows in the evening, 
I'll contact these places in the af- and do shows there in the afternoon. So I can entertain these kids because, you know, we don't just deliver chickens. It's not just about feeding the stomach, but we also have to feed the mind and the soul. And, and I don't want to get too bogged down in that, but you know, laughter is a, is an amazing thing. So it releases a lot of chemical endorphins. And, and again, people don't forget. I've had, I've been doing this long enough that I've had third generations of people come to me, you know, a woman will come to me and say, I saw you when I was a little kid and now this is my grandchild and they're seeing you and my child saw you. So, you know, I, I've, I've really, I've hit three, almost four generations of, of people that I've made an impact on without realizing it. You know, and I, I really think, I think that we could go deep into that. I mean, I think all of us have the ability to make an impact on people. And sometimes it, you don't even realize you're doing it, you know? And, oh, yeah. you know, I haven't been on this earth long enough to be able to um, impact almost four generations of people at this point yet. But, you know, I have been surprised in, in people that have come to me and said, you know, because of this that you said at the speaking engagement that I was at, I went ahead and decided I was just going to go for it. I was going to start my business, you know, just little things like that. And it's, it, it does make you feel good. And that's not why I do it. You know, I don't do it to feel good, but I, I do it because I, I, I tell, I want to tell people what I didn't know. You know, that's the reason that I do what I do. And the reason that, you know, people decide to do something great is typically because they're wanting to help. And, you know, They'll ne- they'll never really know how big that impact can go, and I think that's awesome having people bringing their grandkids to come and see you. And <laughs> I mean, I'd say that does. Yeah. It, it so, makes me feel makes me feel old. Um, oh, it does I, do that. But but it also you have to remember I started when I was negative years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I'm, yeah, I'm that's very, true. Very this young. is true. Yeah, in the womb, <laughs> you know, you were. Here's what I, here's you know. what I'll tell you. There are uh, somebody told me this a long time ago, and I've never forgotten this. You talk about people that maybe they can't go do, they can't pick up and go to some other country and save the world. Mm-hmm. There, there are two types of people. There are senders and there are goers. Now, I'm a goer. Maybe you can't go, but you can help send. So put 20 bucks toward that. Put, put $50 or $10 or whatever you can afford. Put that toward helping someone else go, not just me, someone and, and it doesn't have to be me. If, if there's a community organization or a church in your, in your neighborhood or your town and they're sending a group of uh, students to the Dominican Republic to build a house or, or to play with kids or whatever it is, so, so put money toward that. Go to the spaghetti dinner. You get a exactly. plate full of spaghetti for 10 bucks. I, I know it only costs them 50 cents. They're making 950. That's right. And they're doing really good things with that 950. Go do that life-changing things and that's that's the point you know there's you know 10 10 bucks to us doesn't mean a whole lot you know 14 bucks to us doesn't mean a whole lot but adding that money together you're able to go and do so many things that does mean a whole lot to a whole lot of people and you know if there was a way that all the people's lives that you've touched could let other people know exactly how life-changing it was, I think that more people would open up their eyes to those type of things. I think we underestimate the power of little things. The program that I started, and I, and I do it all by myself, it's called Million Miles, Million Smiles. 
And I named that long before I researched how hard it is to go a million miles. Um, it's, I'll, I, I feel like I'll never get to a million miles, but <laughs> that's a lot of space. That's a lot of, a lot of geography to cover. And maybe but, that's uh, but, the point. Maybe you're not ever, but maybe it's not a end destination type of a project. You know, maybe it's the type that gets passed on and then passed on and then passed sure. on. But I've been to West Africa and to Asia. I went, I did shows in China and Hong Kong. Um, you know, that's 8,000 miles from home. So it it seems like a long ways until you compare it to a million. Yeah. (laughs) A million is a lot. I'll I'll tell you what I saw as we record this. Just this week in in central Guatemala, I stay in touch with some of the folks that I met when I was down there. It's been 100 degrees or warmer every single day for about two weeks. Now, these people are some of the poorest people in the world. They don't have air conditioning. They they don't have anywhere to go to beat the heat. Now, you and I, if it gets to be 105 degrees in our town and we don't have air conditioning, we can go sit in the waiting room at the hospital. We can go to the library. We can go Mm -hmm. wander around the mall. We can use the drinking fountain. We have safety nets in every direction. Well, the the local governments will open up, uh, they'll call them, cooling centers they'll open maybe the gym at an elementary school or a community center building and and they'll provide beverages and maybe even sandwiches for people we you don't have that in guatemala and peru and west africa they don't have that you know you know what their safety net is it's me it's Mm -hmm. me it's you it's people who out of the goodness of their heart recognize a problem and do something to help alleviate it that's, that's pretty frightening. We have cool, clean, running water that's available to us at no charge from a drinking fountain. Those people don't have that. Their rivers are dirty. They, yeah. they, they, they can't get clean, clean water out of the river. So, you know, that's what I'm talking about. It's, it's, it, you, when you say 10 bucks is nothing, it, it really is nothing. But it can do so much. Yeah, it's that's your muffin and coffee on the way to work. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, and I, I know we hear the comment a lot, you know, that it's first world problems, you know. Um, oh yeah. We complain oh, yeah. about, you know, oh my air conditioner in my car just went out. I'm gonna have to roll the oh, window down. How about not even? Or, <laughs> it doesn't even have to be that bad. How about how about they spelled the name wrong when they wrote it on my cup at Starbucks? Yeah, yeah. And they, people whine about that all day. Yeah. And I mean, I know. Things are very perspective based. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sure. big at saying that life is is completely perspective, you know, and you know, people that have grown up in very harsh environments and harsh realities obviously know a a way different life than people that have not. And that doesn't mean that the person that didn't grow up like that doesn't at that moment is not experiencing their worst moment. So, I mean, I think things are very much perspective-based, but when we take a step back and just think for a moment about our, you know, bad days, I mean, I've been complaining about the quarantine. I, like, I make it a big joke because that's my coping mechanism, but I've been, you know, trapped inside my house with my kids and can't escape them, and they're driving me up the wall, and I'm trying to figure out how to homeschool and school them, and I'm, they're all going to be illiterate. I am not a teacher um, <laughs> for a reason, so I'm not really sure how this is going to go, but, um, you know, we're just kind of winging it, but, you know, again, 
straw be stressed out by the end of the day, I am done. But when I take a step back, yes, I'm annoyed. Yes, I'm frazzled. Yes, you know, I'm like, stop touching me and go play, go do something. But I have a home. You know, I have plenty of food. I have every comfort that you can think of. You know, so is it really that bad? It's not bad. You know, I'm just annoyed. It's not even even just that you have a refrigerator and a pantry that's stocked with food. If you don't, in the fire station parking lot this week, they're giving away food. Or at the at the community center, there there's a uh, the, the national guard is there giving away boxes of food. It it's it's incredible what we have here. You know what I noticed during during the Hurricane Katrina, uh, whenever what that what, what was that fifteen years ago? During during that Has it crisis, been fifteen years ago. Yeah, well, <laughs> that made yeah. me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. <laughs> but, but during during Hurricane Katrina, when I watched the twenty four seven news coverage, I noticed that that the people that were leaving the ninth ward in Louisiana in in New Orleans were walking over that bridge because their neighborhoods were flooded, their homes were destroyed, and they had pets. Now, the poorest of the poor among us have pets. Yeah. Just to add perspective to that, in these other countries, they eat those animals. Yeah. They don't, they don't care for them and share their food with them. So even our, our poor, not that I, not that I want to be poor, but I, we, take, we do a lot. We need to do more. But we do a lot to take care of our poor. Our poor have it pretty good compared to the rest of the world. And I think that a lot of people don't realize that because if you've never left the country and seen, and even people that have left the country, they've seen the tourist areas and, you know, the, um, but, you know, going out into, you know, the, like you said, the remote areas is a whole different experience. And I leave, um, I leave the beaten path when we go with a, with a tourism group or on a cruise, I always leave the beaten path. I go beyond that gate into the village. I want to see and meet the real people. And plus the, the souvenirs are a third of the price when you go into yeah. the town. Yeah. And I'll I'd tell say you, I the doing... people are kidding, actually getting the money for it too. That's right. That's, yeah. Yes, you're right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Carnival Cruise Lines is not taking 80% yeah. of the profit. Um, <laughs> yeah. a, a, few, a few years ago, I was doing a show. We I have a group of friends that we prepare meals and and snacks and entertainment, and we, we do a uh, we kind of adopted a homeless mission. And every December we go there, and then we go to a different one in the spring around St. Patrick's Day, and we do a show kind of the same thing there. And we just throw a party for whoever happens to be there. So one night, a couple of years ago, I was doing this. I was doing this uh, this show, and I finished up my show, and I was packing up all my magic stuff and getting everything together to leave. And this guy came up to me. And these are all homeless people, and this one was in uh, Youngstown, Ohio, and, and these, these, there were 80 or 90 people that were spending the night at the mission. And this guy came up to me, and he looked maybe my age, just a little bit older, and he said, Eric? And I said, yeah. And he said, hey, it's me, Joe. And I said, Joe, Joe, I don't, uh, and I just looked at him, and I was lost. And he told yeah. me his last name, and I went, oh my gosh. I went to high school with this guy. I went, I went to high school with this guy, and I thought maybe he worked there. Uh, the school we went to was in a fairly affluent area, upper middle class area. Um, and he came, he lived one block from me in this little subdivision, little housing, housing neighborhood thing. And, 
and his parents made more money than my parents. I mean, they were very well off. And last I knew, he was uh, selling office equipment or cars or something. He had a good job. Yeah. He was not. He was not an employee or a volunteer there. He was a resident. Hmm. He had had some medical bills. He got divorced, and he ran out of couches to surf upon. And he ended up homeless at a mission in an inner city in Ohio. Now, it doesn't take much. You know, there aren't, most of us are only weeks or months away from that. When the bottom falls out, we fall hard. But we're still better off than most of the world. That's so true. And, yeah, I mean, I know I hear all the time that, you know, most most Americans are literally living paycheck to paycheck, which, yes. um, you know, obviously with all the the COVID-19 quarantines and such going on now and all, a lot of businesses are shut down, a lot of people are, you know, financially starting to kind of feel that, and, you know. Sure they are, sure. I'm, and it is fun, as, a, as an aside, it is fun to watch, I, you know, I, I don't care who you voted for, but uh, it's fun to watch staunch Republicans suddenly grasping socialism and embracing it because now they want the government to come in and pay their, their employees or pay their bills because their business yeah. took a hit. It's, it's just kind of a, a quick turn of events that maybe, uh, you know, maybe there's some room for a little socialism. <laughs> and, well, and again, and- I, don't care, I don't care how you voted. This is not a political statement. It's yeah. just a, hey, let's be compassionate. Let's quit thinking with, uh, with an attitude. Well, and I know some other people that I've um, interviewed, you know, during this uh, this shutdown, you know, we've talked about that, yes, there's a lot of negatives going on, you know, right now, but in some ways, there's also some positives that I think will come Absolutely. out of this, Absolutely. and some of it is just being able to stop and think and reflect and, and say, is this something that's even worth my time doing? You know, we spend, so, and I'm, I'm just as guilty, if not more so than most people, at constantly keeping my calendar just packed. You know, I'm very energetic. You know, I've got lots of things I want to do and try to do and all these harebrained ideas and, you know, that I have a thousand kids and, you know, lots of stuff that I got to do on that end and businesses and, you know, but sometimes a lot of the things that I was doing, I'm, you know, I'm not, it wasn't something that I had to do. Um, That's right. It was something that I thought I had to do and nobody was telling me I had to do it but I was telling myself I had to do it and for what so I think for me personally you know this has been kind of a good time for me to kind of reflect and make sure that my decisions are very purposeful Um, and that was something that I had started kind of working on because you know my life kind of completely got out of control um just my personal life there for a while and you know i've I've shared on the podcast i we started i started having marriage problems and you know just stuff like that and you know we're good now but you know sometimes i think we can become so busy that we unplug from life just so we can get it done and we and we think that, you know, once I get to this, well, then I'll have time. You know, once I get this done, well, then I'll have time. Well, once I get this done, then I'll have time. And then, you know, before you know it, months and months and months have passed and there's just something else that keeps coming up. So, you know, for me, I had already said, you know, that's enough. I'm done with that. You know, 
I'm going to be more purposeful. And then this kind of, this stuff kind of happened. And that kind of, for me, has helped refine that thought process. And I think for a lot of us, you know, some of that may mean thinking about, okay, well, maybe I don't need to stop at Starbucks and get the muffin and the coffee every day. Maybe I can just do it, you know, once a week or whatever. I'm not saying you know, completely deny yourself. And maybe that's what, you know, and then I take that money that I would have spent and try to change a life, you know, and what, like you said, whether it be through helping support what you're doing or, you know, somebody help support somebody else that is doing, you know, good. I think those are some things that can change the world one tiny little thing at a time, you know, 10 bucks, 14 bucks, 20 bucks, you know, 50 bucks, whatever at a time. And look, don't get the wrong idea here. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm also selfish. Is, this is, I'm not 24-7 giving, giving, giving. You know, when, yeah. I go to these, when I go to these foreign countries, I spend, I spend a little bit of time as a tourist, too. I've, I've been to the top of Machu Picchu in Peru. I mean, I, I've been to, you know, I petted a hippopotamus in, in West Africa. I mean, you know, I've done yeah. some fun things along the way. Um, two years ago... I did a couple of shows at, at uh, well, I did a couple dozen shows in China. Two of the shows that I did were at a leper colony. Yeah. Now, when I, when I was told, hey, here's your schedule, we're going to a school and then an orphanage and then a leper colony and then a children's hospital and then another orphanage, and I went, wait, 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 what? Back up. I, I didn't know there were still leper colonies. I started Googling, you know, can I die from leprosy? Is leprosy contagious? <laughs> and, and turns out it's not really all that contagious. But think about how long it's been around. Hey, well, you know, they, talk about it, they talk about it in the Old Testament. So it's been around for a while. Yeah. I didn't realize that there were still leper colonies. There's, uh, about um, a hundred of, there's about 100 of them left in the world. I'd say, I, 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 is there any in the U.S.? There's one in Hawaii. Huh. Hawaii was an island that was full of, full of lepers at one time. Okay. You know, one, of the, one of the Hawaiian islands was all lepers. So, yeah, it's, it, it, they're, they're out there. And, but, you know, I look at this and we, I hear people talk about, well, when this, when this COVID-19 coronavirus thing is over, it's not going to be over. This is, yeah. this is the new – there's, there's just a new way of living. We have to adapt to this thing. Whatever it is, we'll adapt to it. So, because, and I'll say, and look, while we've been at home over the last, whatever it's been, 40 days, yeah. I, I've seen commercials on television in 2020. I see commercials on television that are public service announcements urging people to get tested for HIV AIDS. Now, that ha- that, the AIDS crisis started in the late 70s, and it's still going on. So if you, if you think coronavirus lasts 90 days and then, you know, we're on to something else, forget it. We have in this country what I like to call the problem of the month club. Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. where we have a problem. We dwell on it. It's on the front page. It's a mess. It's, it's, it gets all of our attention for about a month. And yeah. then, resolved or not, we move on to another problem. Whether it's, you know, during this, during this coronavirus thing, while everyone's in quarantine and all the businesses are shut down and we hear about the stimulus package and the president's press conferences and all these things, we're still at war. We're still dropping bombs in the Middle East. But nobody's talking about that. Out of sight, out of mind. 
we have the problem of the month. We're bored with yeah. that. Problem. That Middle East, we're bored with that. Let's move on. And you'll but, see that with, this, with the coronavirus as well, with this COVID-19. Yeah. You'll see that in about a month, we will start talking about other things and that will, take, that will go to the back page. Even though it's not resolved, we're, you know, they're talking about opening, uh, you know, here we are in late, late April recording this. In, they're talking about opening a lot of the United States, beginning a slow opening on May 1st. Yeah. Well, this problem will still exist in June and in September and in January. So do you, I don't, I don't know if you've followed um, much of what, you know, the president's been saying and then the governor, not to, again, not to get political, but um, do you, has this affected your business? I know you also have, um, what is it, a furniture carpet? I can't remember it's, what you said. It's car- carpet and floor covering. Okay. And yeah, floor covering. It has. I'm, you know, I was, I was ordered to shut down. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it was a good idea to stop letting people in my store. It's a very small business, but it's, yeah. you know, I don't have a store full of people like a Walmart. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't. I went into my office a couple days a week and just did paperwork and answered the phone and tried to help people over the phone, kept the doors locked. Um, and I was the only employee in the store. So we did that for a while and, you know, you just deal with it. But yeah, absolutely. People are, you know, we we try and we don't eat out much, but during this time we've tried to eat out at local restaurants. We've we've tried to get food to go from local restaurants because those people are up the Creek. I mean, their whole paycheck is gone. Well, and there's, there's a very, very small margin that industry anyway. Um, I have a consulting, a marketing company on the side, and we have um, a lot of clients that are, you know, in that industry. And I mean, they, yeah, they're struggling. And, and you couple that with my, yeah. you know, my, 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 my flooring store is shut down. You, you, you also, you got to know that my performance schedule was erased. Mm-hmm. Not a single yeah. show that I had booked remained. Um, the, you know, everything I had this year has booked as rescheduled. So the shows that I had the first week of March are now the first week in March next year. Yeah. So I didn't lose bookings, but I lost bookings because I could have you booked lost other, other I could have yeah. Yeah, booked other groups next year and you know now those dates are full. There's only so many Saturday nights uh, in in a month. So, you know, it is what it is and I'll be fine and everybody else will recover eventually. It will take its toll more so on some and less so on others, but you know, we get through it. We do what we do. And 25 years from now, you know, we, we went to visit our, my children, my, my wife and I went to visit our children's children and, and our grandchildren. I wanted to go visit them through the window of their house because I want them to have that memory that, oh yeah, this was a thing. I remember when grandma and grandpa had to come and we played tic-tac-toe with glass markers yeah. on, on, on the windows and it was just a, it's just a different experience. Yeah, it's, it's, it's surreal. It is. Part of, it is. Part of culture and it is what it is. And, and that's, that's kind of what I've, like, I have teenagers. So teenagers are, uh, I'm trying to think of a great word to say that's not negative. I can't think of one funny, I guess, <laughs> funny to deal with. Um, because obviously they're kind of in that, well, teenagehood, you know, where everything is the worst possible thing. And, you know, so we've been riding the normal, 
you know, hormonal waves of teenagers and then adding um, just the fact of all, everything being shut down. They can't go back to school. I have one that was a senior this year. So, you know, that's been hard. So, I mean, yeah. you know, that, that, that type of thing I think is, um, is, is hard for people to understand anyway, but added to a teenager, that's even worse. So I, I was telling them that, you know, they're literally like you just said, part of history now, you know, this will be, right. this will actually be something that probably is taught in schools. I'd oh, say. I'm sure. I'm sure. So, I mean, you think, you think about a lot of the, the plagues and stuff that we learned about, you know, in yep. school. So this will, this will be added right to it because it's, it's, you know, making history is not always a good thing. <laughs> you know? I agree. But. I completely agree. So if you had, uh, I always, I like to ask, um, weird questions of my guests just to see the reactions, but um, it's not weird. It's just, I, I like to say, if you could go back, because a lot of, a lot of people listen, they, um, you know, come on here because, you know, well, they want to learn something or, you know, whatever. Um, the, if you could go back to your younger self, to younger Eric and tell him, you know, one, two, three things, whatever, um, what would that be? Buy Apple stock. Buy Apple stock. That's a good one. I actually haven't heard <laughs> anybody saying that. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> that's a good one, though. <laughs> no, no. I mean, that would that would certainly that would certainly change things. Um, I would, I would. Uh, what would I do? I don't think I would change anything. I don't think there's anything that I would change. You know, you know. Are you familiar with the butterfly effect? You know, butterfly yeah. here yeah. and the motion, the ripple is felt around the world. That I, 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 you know, look. Do I do I change? You know, whatever. I should have asked that girl to the prom. I was too afraid to ask her when junior high school. I, you know, is that does that change the girl that I married? Which means I don't have my kids. Which means I don't exactly. have my grandkids, and I don't have this career, and I don't live in this town. And I, you know, no, I wouldn't. I, no, there have been some regrets, but I would do them again because it. I ended up where I ended up. I think that's been a lot of the consensus and I've said the same thing. I mean, I've said little things like I would tell myself, you know, this or tell myself that, but as far as changing, yeah, I've made a ton of mistakes. I could fill up five, five seasons episodes myself on all the mistakes that Maria has made in her life, but I wouldn't change any of them because they've made me who I am. You know, they have taught me lots of things. And like you said, you know, I, I maybe wouldn't be where I'm at now. I wouldn't have my children. And even though they're driving me insane right now, being quarantined with me, I still love them and I wouldn't change having them. <laughs> so uh, if, if um, somebody is wanting to find out more about your shows or find out more about um, helping you, you know, finance um, – you know, your, your trips and the, you know, getting the chickens and all of that. Your website's the best place to reach you? Website is ericthompsonmagic.com. On that website, you'll find links to my YouTube channel, which we're in the middle of rebuilding right now. Um, I've, I've got about 40 or 50 videos up and by the end of next month, there'll be probably a hundred video, 100 videos will probably be on that channel. There's some really fun stuff. Some videos that I've collected from shows from the last 40 years. I mean, some, I've, I've got stuff. I found a, a, an old VHS, ask your grandparents about a VHS videotape (laughs) from a comedy club that I, where I opened. It was one of the first shows I, one of the first professional shows I ever did. 
and that was in 1982 or 83, um, uh, the ballroom at a, at a, uh, uh, at a, at a now closed and gone excavated over, uh, amusement park. Um, you some really cool videos. I, I just had a guy call me just yesterday, called me and said he has a video of me performing at, and it's on eight millimeter movie reel with sound. Oh. And it's from 19, he thinks it's 1982 when I performed at his buddy's bachelor party. That's great. <laughs> um, and I kind of vaguely remember it was at somebody's house. And, you know, in the early days, you take every gig you can get. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I can't, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what I was thinking. But, yeah, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's uh, that, okay, that's what I would change. I wouldn't have done that show. But other yeah. than that, <laughs> But no, there's, there's, there's some really cool, and then there's lots of video from recently, some stuff, even this year's stuff. And it's kind of, I don't run video at every single show, but I try to do it as often as I can. It's kind of a little bit of a pain in the butt, but I do it. I set a camera up in the back or a hire a video crew. And a lot of my act is improvisation and crowd work. So I'll be talking to people in the audience and we'll just make jokes. And, and there's been some real, awesome moments that have been caught on video and I'm so grateful to have them and I love to be able to share them. So that's on my YouTube channel. You can access that through the website. My Facebook page has uh, all, all of these videos and lots more on there. So there, and there's updates on when and where shows take place. That's on Facebook and all of that. You can get through ericthompsonmagic.com. My phone number is on there too. If somebody wants to call and talk about how they can help uh, or or has an idea or suggestion, I'm all ears. If you know somebody somewhere in the world, or it's a big globe. And uh, I try to go somewhere different every year because if I go back to the same place over and over, I'll never see everywhere. And that's everywhere, yeah. is, on, everywhere is on my list. Yeah, you got to get that million miles. That's right. <laughs> that's absolutely right. So, yeah, if you, if you know somebody that's a missionary or, or does – work, you know, helping people in, in other countries or, or even in the United States, you know, I'm, I'm, it's not just about traveling the world. The U S is part of the world too. I do an awful lot of charitable work in, in country as well. So yeah, awesome. I'm, I'm in, awesome. I'm in, I'd love to, I'd love to meet some folks and, and uh, get to know your audience a little bit better, a little more personally and have them call me or they can send me an email. My, uh, my link is on that website as well. It's ericthompsonmagic.com. All right. That's great. Well, when this episode airs, I'll make sure that the link to your website is in the description. And um, I really enjoyed having you on here. And I I was really impressed whenever I talked to you off the air, um, even before we recorded this on, I didn't realize that, um, you know, I guess, I guess I never thought about the fact that, you know, a couple of chickens, I mean, we live on a farm. We, we raise chickens. So, I mean, um, well, we have egg chickens, but I, I never realized that 14 bucks, you know, they can start a yeah. business. They can, you know, all of that, just kind of putting it together in my mind. Um, I know after we had, had talked the first time I, I told my husband about it and, you know, I was like, oh, I was like, that's just so awesome. I really love that. Just that whole concept and that idea. And the fact that you're, you're bringing it, you're just not going and, you know, buying the chickens and handing it to them, which is, I, I'm not saying that's bad, but you're providing entertainment and joy and laughter and all of that combined, I think is just amazing. 
listen, Marie, if I could just tell you this, and I don't mean this, this isn't a, a, a sermon by any stretch. I'm a, yeah. not a yeah. preacher. I'm not a preacher in the, the 100th Psalm says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Now, biblical scholars will argue with me that that joyful noise is singing praise. I don't, I don't believe that. I think, I think it's laughter. I think the joyful noise is laughter. And they, they talk about how, you know, an earthly father love. There's nothing. As an earthly father, I can tell you, there's nothing that I enjoy more than the sound of my children laughing together. There's nothing that's better than that. Nothing. Nothing. That's awesome. I think, the, I think the heavenly father would say the same thing, that hearing his children laugh together would be a pretty awesome experience. So if I can deliver joy and laughter, oh, man, that's, that's a life goal. And I, I'll do that over and over and over. And if I can bring them a chicken, too, for seven bucks a bird, mm-hmm. how, how do you say no to that? Of course I'm going to go do that. And 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 I'll joke around with them. And listen, my, my, my show, because I don't speak their language, my show gets translated by the yeah. locals. So yeah. my, my show has been translated into, I don't know, seven different languages, I think. And it's, it's crazy. It's It's just insane to think that, you know, this little boy from this little town could grow up and feed the world spiritually, feed the world, feed the world's soul and, and fill their bellies too. Uh, it's, it's hard to imagine. It's hard to imagine, but it's, but it's happening. It's so cool. I'm, I'm so fortunate to have fallen into this. This was, believe me, this was not my plan. This was nowhere near my plan. Wow. But here, great. I, I think a lot of the best things that happened to us are nowhere near our plan and I think that's something that you learn as you go along because that you know you can lay your plan out and you can I mean it looks like a good plan it's not that it's a bad plan and then when things don't line up you can beat yourself up about it but then somehow you end up on this other path and you figure out that oh okay well this plan is actually better and I've experienced that myself and I think that you know I think that's divine calling so I think that those are those are things that you can't plan for. I agree. So well, it's been a pleasure. I'm gonna go ahead and wrap this up, but I'll make sure that the link to Eric's website will be found in the details of this podcast. And if you have any questions, you can reach out to me or him, and I'll make sure that I get you all in touch. And um, thanks again for coming on. I really enjoyed it. Maria, thank you very much. What an awesome opportunity to to share some cool stuff. I really appreciate the opportunity to hang out with you and your listeners and hope to get to see you soon. Yeah, we'll we'll touch base after all this corona stuff is um well, like you said, it probably won't go away, but maybe it'll it'll tame down enough where you can start doing your shows again. We'll touch base and find out where you're going and what you're what you're up to. Favorite. <laughs> you better better tell him who's the boss, me. You better better tell him who's the boss.